here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, I'm Chloe Ferreira from Mice Chat, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Doug Barnes of the Season Pass Podcast and the Mice Chat Podcast, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, I'm Robert Coker of Super 78 and the Season Pass Podcast, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. This is Dusty Sage with MiceChat.com, and we're here on the Coaster Challenge Podcast. If you're heading off to Disney and don't know where to start, click yourself over to MiceChat and you're out of the time. They take the dizzy out of Disney for you and for me. Head back and face forward because it's Mice Chat Month on the Coaster Challenge Podcast. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast, celebrating Mice Chat Month with Dusty Sage, Doug Barnes, Chloe Ferreira, and Robert Coker. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, David Cantu and Jenna Gissel. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's Mice Chat Month right here on the Coaster Challenge Podcast, and I'm David Cantu. I'm Jenna Gazelle. And we're so glad that you were able to join us today because we are celebrating a wonderful organization that does incredible news, stories, fun events when it comes to Disney theme parks, but also other amusement parks and theme parks as well. But, you know, it's Mice Chat has really been around for a very long time. Mice Chat is just a wonderful organization that does incredible news stories, a lot of fun fun videos, fun podcasting, great humor podcasting episodes, and just a wonderful all-around team. And we've got a very special guest with Mice Chat in the house today with Andrew. We've got Robert Cooker. He does ThrillRide.com. He's part of Super 78, and he's also part of the Season Pass podcast that's part of the Mice Chat organization. I'm looking forward to hearing what Robert's story is all about. Me too. But Andrew is standing by. Usually uh, in our regular podcast, we do the YouTube highlight clip of the week but considering we are celebrating mice chat with mice chat month here on the podcast we are decided that we wanted to highlight some some of the things that our guests have done with their with mice chat or just in their career themselves uh robert actually had a really fun video on his youtube channel where he goes and visits the brady bunch house so take a listen hey everybody it's your old thrillride.com how you doing so uh, this morning, another beautiful Southern California morning, I'm in a little park right near where I'm currently living uh, in a neighborhood called Studio City. Now, I was up in Simi Valley for a while. I've relocated down here a few months ago. And uh, it's a neighborhood I'm kind of familiar with because I used to live very close by in another neighborhood called North Hollywood. But uh, Studio City, as you might imagine, is kind of adjacent to a lot of working uh, television and movie studios. And uh, I'm kind of rediscovering the local area now that I'm down here, kind of walking around, including this lovely little city park, uh, very close by to my uh, living space. And um, in particular, there's a home that was featured in an iconic television series that I knew existed here in L.A., but given how much I love this particular show that I have not come take a look at it yet is kind of silly. So 
now's the time. And uh, there's a few other cool little quirky parts of the neighborhood that I've discovered recently. So uh, we're just gonna take a look around. Here's the story of a TV family who we all thought lived inside this famous home. But the real house we all remember was not at all as shown. So we bought the place and brought back all the Brady's So just taking a stroll down one of the, uh, I haven't come to take a look at it with my own two eyes until today. Bit of a shame, but yeah, very excited. All right, there it is. And you can see there's a security vehicle parked out in front. I understand that is now permanent. Wow. <laughs> I love it. That is the Brady home. <sighs> Getting a flood of memories right now. Oh, that's just fantastic. So what I've gathered from the internet is that the home was chosen by the producers because it was kind of this classic example of a middle-class home in, uh, in the 60s and 70s. And that's exactly who they wanted the Bradys to be, kind of the every family of America. And uh, they did not shoot any of the interiors here. This was strictly used for exteriors. And it was really only shot a handful of times. As uh, once they had kind of the exterior establishing shot, they just reused it over and over again. And uh, in, I guess, 2018, House and Garden Television bought the home. It was up on the market, and there was kind of a bidding war, a little bit anyway. Lance Bass, is that his name, from NSYNC, apparently wanted to uh, make an offer. And Maureen McCormick, who played Marsha, the eldest daughter. Uh, was also interested but kind of backed out when she realized what a <laughs> what a kind of a feeding frenzy it was and so Hasen Garden stepped up and made the purchase and they have since run some kind of a reality show it's called a very Brady renovation when uh, they got the Brady kids back together all six of them and with some uh, skilled laborers restored the interior to look as much like the original shooting sets as possible, which is pretty great. Now, I don't know if there is any way to get in or if at some point they are planning on having tours inside the home, but at the moment, you really can just come by and enjoy the exterior. And frankly, that is good enough for me. Oh, I can't count the hours. I sat glued in front of the TV screen, watching the exploits of that family live behind these walls so great <laughs> i really appreciate they made the private property no trespassing sign with the brady bunch title font uh, consistent theming important <laughs> yeah this was a really important part of my uh, my early childhood i remember so many classic uh, kind of episodes the two-parter when they went to cincinnati and visited Kings Island. 
was pretty sweet. I think the Partridge family did that too at one point, but uh, I think the Brady's did it first. And then the massive three-part trip to Hawaii special that included Vincent Price, Tiki Gods, and a Tarantula cameo. That was pretty epic. And of course, the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha refrain from good old Jan. <laughs> By the way, there was a movie that was made, oh man, a few years ago. And now I'm blanking on the title. It was Blue something, Blue Horizon. Anyway, very dark, gritty drama, excellent movie. And Eve Plum, who played Jan, the middle sister, has a role in it recently, kind of holding all the smog closer to the ground. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this look around. Some of the highlights of Studio City, at least my personal highlights. And uh, yeah, we will catch you in the next one. Wow, that was pretty incredible, Jen. You know, for somebody that was very into the Brady Bunch, I, I can't believe it took him this long to go find it. Heck, we live right here in Southern California. It's really ironic that Robert happens to be one of our neighbors. You know, he lives in Studio City. We're from Burbank. And we go to Universal Studio and Universal City, Studio City all the time. We haven't even seen the Brady Bunch house since we've lived here. Yeah, but I wasn't a real big fan of the Brady Bunch. So, like, my mom would make me watch it, but I never really, like, I mean, I love the Brady Bunch. I'm a big fan of it, too, but I just feel bad. I mean, literally, the house is, like, in my backyard. I need to go see it since they did the renovation. But, right. Uh, yeah. But you know what, guys? That was a great clip that's not the full clip of his video if you want to see the full clip of his uh of robert's video we will have it in our show notes and you'll be able to click on that and it will pull up the video for you to see the full version of this clip but in the meantime andrew is standing by with our special guest today robert cooker and it's going to be a great interview so take it away andrew thank you david and jenna this is andrew one of the producers of the coaster challenge podcast with you today today i've got a very special and fun guest from thrillride.com, Super78, and last but not least, the Season Pass podcast, I would like to welcome Robert Coker. Welcome to the podcast, Robert. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. It is a real honor and a pleasure to be here. I, uh, very exciting. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, just happy to be part of it. Awesome. And as I was telling you before we started recording, I'm a huge podcast consumer before I became a podcast uh, creator, as I now am with this, as well as with the Ace Ride With Us podcast. Been listening to podcasts for what now? Over four years. And the very first coaster-oriented podcast I started listening to was the season pass with you and Doug and Brands, <laughs> and I love your. You love how you guys. You know, you don't take yourselves too seriously, and you know, got some good comedy, some good content, great interviews. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. You know, we recently had an interview and talked to uh, Doug, and and that's kind of how I came to talk to you here, and uh, we're enjoying talking to you guys from the season pass, absolutely. But you know, still to start off with, why don't we kind of round things off? Why don't you tell our audience about yourself and your experience within the theme park industry? Sure, sure, yes. So as you mentioned, I'm currently working at Super 78. We do a lot of media-based attractions, but we're not exclusive to that. My title is Senior Show Writer slash Creative Development. One of the things I like about working at Super 78, though, is that, you know, it's a smaller company. So we all get to wear a lot of hats. We get to kind of dip our toes into a lot of different pools and really, you know, learn as much about all aspects of creating themed attractions as one could. The genesis of what got me into this, you know, when I grew up in Southern California, when I was about four and a half years 
years old, took my first trip to Disneyland, rode the Matterhorn for the first time. And I'm like, all right, that's it. Whatever this is, this is what I want to do. Like this thing here, I want to do this. As I grew up and went to school and, you know, whatever, and the theme park industry kind of matured and it slowly became clear to me like, oh, okay, I could do this thing, which is graphic design. And that somehow that would lead me into themed entertainment. And that actually took me in a different path. So I ended up working in advertising and package design and some other kind of design related industries at an ad agency I worked at in New York. This is the mid nineties. Uh, one of my coworkers was very involved in this new thing called the World Wide Web. And she was like, yeah, I want to kind of get to know more of this. Why don't we do a website together? I'll do the backend programming and you can do the content creation, you know, to write, take pictures, whatever. So I said, well, I know, why don't we just do one on roller coaster? So we put together a little site called roller coaster, made one of the top 10 of the World Wide Web books or something. Now, granted, this was back when there were about 10,000 websites. So it was a very- What year was this? 1996, I think, 95? You were early on, like even, yeah. it, but just barely graphical-based web browsers at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it was very rudimentary. If you go to archive.org, look at rollercoaster.org way back in the day. I, I think it's still out there in the ether somewhere, but, uh, but anyway, so we did that. It was a lot of fun. A couple of years later, I was sort of thinking, maybe I'd like to learn more about that backend development, how you build a website. And so that wall, do one of my own and why not maybe expand the scope so it's not just about roller coasters, but it's about all kinds of rides flume rides dark rides free fall rides, it's just everything and that was kind of the genesis of thrill ride did the thrillride.com website that was from like 96 i think i registered that domain by 2000 you know it become fairly well known and you know that was becoming a, a pretty close to a part-time hobby and i was traveling a lot spending a lot of time on it and then of course there was the big dot-com bubble we tried with another group to build thrill ride into something that would have been more of a full-time kind of avocation. Didn't work out, whatever. That's the way that went. But in the meantime, that's when I was approached by Barnes & Noble Publishing about doing a book on roller coasters. And initially they asked me if I wanted to edit one. And I said, well, I've kind of got it written already. So if you want to just, I can write it, you know, and we're done. That led to the publication of the roller coasters book. And then when I moved back out to California in 2006, I got an email. Somebody I'd never met before named Doug Barnes. He says, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I'm up in Northern California. I used to send you rumors about Northern California. It's a thrill ride bubble. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, Doug B, I know you. And he tells me, yeah, I've started this podcast and me and my partner, Brent Young, he owns a little theme park design studio. You know, we talk about themed entertainment. Would you like to be a guest? And of course I'm like, sure, incredible honor. Well, that was the beginning of, you know, a friendship, which, I mean, Doug is my brother from another mother. I mean, I just love that man to death. We just, we've become as good friends as friends can be. So I met Brent through Doug. You know, again, we clicked right away. The three of us just have a nice kind of rhythm together. We did some more interviews a couple of years into it. Doug called me one day and he said, you know what? You were on more episodes last year than Brent was. So you're officially a co-host. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's good. Somewhere in that period too, like Brent called me one night. He's like, so what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I'd sure love to work for you someday, but you know, I'd love to get back. In. I mean, my dream was always to get into themed entertainment. You know, the life path took me in another direction, but there's still a chance, you know, what the heck? He right. sent me a couple little freelance jobs and, you know, we worked together pretty well and had a good time. And then by summer of 2013, he called me up and said, look, we're bidding on a big project. I can't hire you full time, but I think I'll have enough work that if your boss would give you a sabbatical, I could, you know, use you for a month or two. So do you think he would be willing to do that? Well, in the back of my head, I'm thinking I will quit either way. I'm going to take this chance, but you know, nice. I, somehow we'll make it work. Anyway, long story short, the delays kept coming and whatever. And so by October, he called me up. He said, look, just quit. We, we'll, we'll find a way to make it work. Just come on down. I'm like, yes. 
<laughs> so, and yeah, just this past October, eight years and counting, uh, celebrated my anniversary there. So that's a super 78, you mean? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. So eight years, basically. Eight years. Right. Yeah. So nice. I think it's the longest I've ever worked in one job, actually. It just suddenly realized that. <laughs> <laughs> when you're having fun, you know, that's the job that you tend to stay at, right? right exactly. Yeah, when you're passionate. Exactly. So yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. Nice. It's yeah, it's it's just and it's been incredible. I mean, the experiences I've had and places I've gotten to go. And I, I mean, it was things I wouldn't have dared to dream I was gonna get to do. So it's been really, really cool. Anyway, that's that awesome. Brings us to today. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. No, thanks for giving that overview. And but before we get there, we're gonna have some fun. And this is kind of how we typically do our interviews. We don't always interview people that work in the industry like yourself or cover the industry. In general, with with folks like yourself, we'll have a kind of a two parts to the interview. The first half of it is just taking a break, not talking about your what you do for work, even though that's fun, or the coverage that you do the theme parks and, and coasters is just, you know, your experience with coasters, for example, or theme parks. But I know you're a coaster guy, so we're going to talk about coasters. And then in the second half of the interview, we'll get into some questions that are more specific about, again, the experience you just alluded to and, and whatnot, either covering the industry or working in it. But let's start off with, yeah, we're going to start off with the basics. We uh, we hop in our uh, in the theme park time machine, if you will. <laughs> and I think you might have already alluded to this, but we'll, we'll still get a little more detail here. Was Matterhorn your first coaster? Well, you know, it's funny. Actually, as in terms of all types of roller coasters, no. The very okay. first roller coaster I rode was the Little Kitty Coaster at the Beverly Kitty Land which used to be here oh. in Southern California. If you know where the Beverly Center is on Wilshire. Oh yeah, I've been there. Whatever. Right. So before that building was built, there was a little Kitty Land park. Oh, I used to remember the name of the owner and I can't at the time. And it was tiny. They had a, oh, I can't remember the manufacturer's name, but a little teeny, you know, single oval kitty coaster, a dark yeah. ride, little pony rides, a lot of little circular, you know, kitty rides. A really little kid when I went there. So I'm sure that kitty coaster was probably my first. But as you know, Disney, Waltz, he would go to this park when he was starting to think about Disneyland and talk to the owner and, you know, Wow. What, what do you do? How does this work? So there's a little connection to Disney history there. Anyway, but the first big boy coaster, definitely the Matterhorn. And I remember it clearly because I, we, we went in, I saw the Matterhorn you know, structure, which is so magnificent. And, you know, from a distance, those little cars, they don't look like they're moving that fast because they're really not. Moving. Right. Yeah. I thought it was like a little scenic trip through this beautiful mountain. So we <laughs> got the chain lift. And then when we start taking off, I was just like flabbergasted, laughing and screaming like, what is going on? Got off. And I'm like, that's the, that's the bomb right there. Yeah. <laughs> and how old were you when you first rode the Matterhorn? About four and a half, four and a half, five. Oh, wow. Okay. So we got your first coaster. Is that little kidney coaster that your first big boy coaster was Matterhorn. What would you say of that, of all those coasters you've been on, which is the one that kind of freaked you out or scared you the most? Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be hard to answer with one. I will say I was at, I, I rode the beast. If it wasn't opening year, it was the year after. It was at Ace Coaster Con 2. So oh, that wow. was 79, 80, maybe it was 79. Anyway, I do remember though, you know, I was obviously much younger then. Pretty, pretty young teenager. So excited. Like this is my first big trip. I'd fl flown on a plane of my own for the first time and never been to Kings Island and, you know, all these other great rides and this just titanically huge new wooden coaster. We were in the park as a group, you know, the ACE group walking towards the back and there was that lift hill going into the trees. And for the first time I was like, oh damn. I'm scared. Like, this is a big, big ride. Like, this is serious. Of course, loved it. I mean, it was just so great. But then the the next time I had an experience like that, which is even worse, was riding Top Turtle Tracks for immediate day. I mean, that was, we were sitting on that track and looking at that tower. You know, in 10 seconds, I'm we're going to be up there, 400 
plus feet in this like that was bone chilling that was truly terrifying to this day though i gotta say the one ride that i've been on multiple times that every time i still get nervous is accelerator at night really yeah and i don't know if doug said this too because we both agree like the launch isn't obviously you're not traveling at the highest speed that you do in top thrill or you know any of the other uh, you know big uh, rocket coasters zero to 80 in less than you know what is it two seconds i mean it's so intense and it we're both white knuckles like oh here we go here we go <laughs> every time like it never it you know it just you think over time you get used to it and and maybe if i wrote it every day it would be fine but there's always enough of a break that whenever we go back i'm like oh god here we go i mean i love it it's one of my favorite rides but it's still consistently terrifying <laughs> okay so the one the one that scared to see now where i thought you were going with this because you're you know live in southern california is when you're saying accelerate before you said accelerate i thought okay it's gonna be x2 oh okay, yeah, it's accelerator. yeah no, okay yeah. <laughs> okay okay because a lot me x2 is the one that scared me the most or just the arrow 40s in general i've been on all three now you know the same design basically but just that drop and you know it's the best drop ever oh yeah, yeah but okay but accelerator for you okay so let's talk yeah. about accelerator yeah sure let's talk about accelerator so I guess it was probably a ways back when you first wrote it for the first time, right? Yes. And I wrote Top Thrill Dragster first. I'm trying to remember what brought me out here, but it was a while, definitely a while back. Like, okay. Do you remember how you were feeling as you were going through the queue, approaching the station, what was going through your head, given it was scaring you? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, as you know, uh, even if you haven't ridden it, what, what's great about that attraction is, you know, you bored by walking under the ride and you're in the midst of it for most of the yes. queue. So you're hearing the screams and seeing this thing take off like a lightning bolt and you're well aware of what's coming at all times. Right. And then of course, when you're standing in the lanes waiting to board and it's just like blink and you miss it. I mean, it's there and then it's gone. I <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and you and you, the beat at which the audio just like their screams and then they're gone like it's like ah! like that thing <laughs> there's so many cues telling you like you should be nervous now like this is this is when you start getting scared and certainly i mean it's definitely like you know it's going to be fun and whatever uh that first time i guess is after having done top thrill dragster i'm like okay i know i'm good with these like it's going to be okay it's a more gradual trip up to top speed on that it's just like yeah is the thing gonna snap my neck I, I mean it's it's so fast it's so fast. so it was the acceleration that was scaring you correct it's the severity of the acceleration okay so kind of what i'm translating from what you said there is it sounds like you knew you're gonna have fun of course you'd already been a lot of coasters before it you knew it and you saw it you could hear it because you're like you said you're out there in the midst of everything that it, it's so fast in the acceleration you're just kind of there's a part of you in the back of your mind that's like wow is this gonna be too much for me is this gonna be too intense or something like that right yeah exactly okay so obviously with something like that once you get on it you're going to find out and you obviously did find out you're here with us and everything went turned out fine but <laughs> but again you couldn't know that then that's where anxiety and fear come from but you you went through it you rode the ride you survived and and so tell me how did you feel then given how you were thinking originally in the queue and everything how did you feel once you got off accelerator oh uh, exhilarated i mean i was just like that was a once in a lifetime kind of experience i mean it was just right. super fun super cool couldn't wait to do it again it's the typical like oh i don't want to go anywhere let's go again you're just like hey that was the best being scared under the right circumstances is super fun yeah i must say if i can digress for a second because i sure think, like my biggest fear was always heights when i was a kid sure 
going at Ferris wheels, all that kind of stuff, terrifying. And for whatever strange reason, it never bothered me on roller coasters. It was never about the height of the roller coaster. Like being strapped into a car, I, I always felt safe. And I knew like, I'm in this vehicle that's going to carry me back to safety. Right. The heights was just too much. When we went to, it was one of our big season pass trips, I guess the biggest, the wheels on I-80 trip, which was seven days of utter joy. It was so great. But the kind of the linchpin of the trip was going out to Cedar Point where we'd spend most of our time because they just opened Windseeker. And in the back of my mind, before we were getting, you know, planning the trip or whatever, I'm like, there is absolutely no way I'm going to ride that attraction. I will sit and talk to the people at Cedar Point and congratulate them, but I'm just not going to do it. I'm just, I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen. So we get to the park. We had a couple of days and the first day was not involved with that. So that was good. The morning of the second day, we're walking to the park and I'm just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And we're getting closer and closer. And I'm like, well, all right, I guess I'm just going to stand on the side and you know, whatever. So Doug gets on and he writes. And I know he's not a fan of heights, but he gets up there and he survives and he comes back and he's like, you know what, man, it's not that bad. It's really not, it's okay, you can do it. And his wife, Shannon, who is also one of my closest friends, she basically grabbed my arms like, get on with it. So she dragged me on to Windseeker. And I'm like, well, all right, worst case, I have a heart attack and die and it'll be over. So whatever this is, it's not gonna, I won't suffer terribly long. So we start to go up. And the wheel is spinning and the, you know, the ring is rising and we're about 30 feet up and Doug's like, hey, by the way, it's really windy up there. And I was like, <laughs> so like, how dare you? <laughs> but we, you know, we get to the top and the wing or the ring is starting to spin faster and the arms are going out. I'm just like, okay, I mean, I'm terrified, but I'm not dead. And then I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I'm looking over the edge. I spread my arms out. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, I'm loving it. And I I'll tell you that cured me in my fear heights right then and there. I got off. I was like, I'm fine. We went and rode Skyhawk. I can get on any Ferris wheel. I can get on any free fall tower now. Like Falcon's Fury is one of my favorite rides. I love them. It was just like instant. And it was that total immersion, like get right up and let that fear get right in your face. And once you realize it didn't hurt me, then it's not, a, it's nothing to be afraid of. It was weird. I've never had that kind of instant, like flipping a light switch. It just went away. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, with the interviews that we do in this podcast, and part of it, we have fun and get into some interesting topics like we'll do with you later. But also we, we're a little bit on the more, if you will, serious side or investigative side in terms of trying to understand how people conquer fear and the implications of that. One of the, one of the things I've discovered in doing these interviews is I've come up with a theory of facing fear successfully along the lines of strength training or weight training. Yep. Whereas, of course, the weight training is physical. With fear, it's your mind. It's getting your mind to be okay with these these crazy situations. I my theory is that if you go through more and more of them and face bigger and bigger things, or just more and more, you know, situations like these, you know, fast roller coasters, heights, turns, inversions, whatever it may be, and not just with roller coasters. You know, just talk about you know a, a, a swing ride, you know, wind seeker. As we do more and more of these things, we're able to better face fear and anxiety in general in life. So you felt exhilarated after getting off accelerator. Yes, right? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's two sides to that. One is conquering the fear. It's like, I did it. You know, you feel mm -hmm. good about yourself. Yep. The other is the adrenaline, the endorphin, you know, the adrenaline endorphin, that whole rush, the, the healthy way to get that rush. We're coaster enthusiasts, we are really lucky because we get these chemicals in a, in a very healthy, natural <laughs> way where so many people doing drugs and whatnot to get to that, which is very dangerous. So we are lucky that we can experience these things and enjoy ourselves and again, do things in a healthy way, man. That's, I think, 
think one of the things that's the key to being a thrill seeker slash, you know, coaster enthusiast and whatnot. Okay. So you felt great getting off accelerator. I would expect no less. <laughs> How many years ago would you say that was? Dang it. I'm trying to remember whether I was still living back East or here in California. I think I was, st- no, I think I'd moved. So it was since 2006. Gosh, now I can't even remember when did accelerator open? <laughs> what year was it? Was it early 2000s? I think I don't remember when, but yeah, 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 yeah. Cause the millennium force was 99. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but it was, it was definitely many, it was a few years after it opened for sure. Okay. So 10, 15 or so. Okay. Okay. So you've had some time since then. So given that you definitely clearly see that one as the one where you have the most fear up to this point, at least, Hmm. and you conquered it. Can you think of anything where things changed for you as far as how it impacted your life in any way by by conquering that fear? Absolutely. Yeah. As you were saying earlier, when you conquer fears, not only are you getting over that one fear, but you're learning, maybe I don't need to be so anxious about everything else I'm anxious about. Like maybe whatever irrational anxiety I'm bringing to this thing, maybe is I'm bringing other things. So I shouldn't necessarily. Again, what you were saying too about like as you like weight training you know you lift a weight you get pretty comfortable with 10 pounds you go to 15 and then you do 15 you go to 20 so you sort of gradually work your way through some of these other anxieties and the more you do the more you can overcome going down the road yeah no that's a very good point and it's i I definitely can relate to that can you talk about any any ways which is true certainly and that's awesome but can you talk about any other ways that aren't so obvious here that coasters and theme parks and have being involved with this so much has had a significant positive impact on your life oh sure sure well again i mean a lot of my very closest friends all came out of our shared love for theme parks and again doug who is uh, you know he's my he's he's a relative by passion rather than blood and it was all through <laughs> you know our love for theme parks and roller coasters you know it's kind of funny too as we've gotten to know each other better and time is gone on. I mean, our love for disc golf and beer has almost eclipsed <laughs> the whole coasters and theme parks thing. I mean, again, Brent, you know, my, my career has come out of it. Meeting you guys. I mean, you know, there's so many incredible new people that I've met. Uh, Chris Godsey and his wife, Natalie, and errors of omission. I, I, I don't want to exclude anybody. But like in 2013, just a few months before starting work at Super 78, another kind of bucket list thing was to go to Japan. Always wanted to nice. love Japanese culture. And so I took a theme park review, a two-week trip through Japan, two of the greatest weeks of my entire life. Nice. Had the most amazing time and went to the most amazing park, got me into Tokyo Disney Sea, had the best sushi meal of my life in Osaka, and made lifelong from Australia, from all over the world. Nick Hudson, who, you know, does Nick's ERT. Yeah, I know Nick. Um, Yeah. Yeah, he's become an incredibly good friend as well. And, you know, we were working with him. He's composing music for a project we're working on right now. Came out here for a week and we spent a whole week going to theme parks out here and then I went over to stay with him and his family in London after you know the Forbidden Caves open in Belgium and we went to a bunch of parks around I mean all these amazing people that I've met like that all came out of that love for parks and coasters and that's you know that's really what it's about right it's about friends it's about people in our lives that's that's the real reason to be here and that's what we need to focus on yeah by far I mean that's the positive impact I love it I've obviously been on a lot of coasters so I want to ask you a few more questions about coasters these will be fun ones for you these will be I think probably simple ones but fun probably some good (laughs) stories and then we'll we'll dive into the second half of the interview I am very curious we asked this question pretty much all our guests what has been your craziest moment on coaster craziest moment the one that comes to mind first and it isn't so much about the ride specifically itself the moment i (laughs) 
<laughs> I can't. It's just, it's just like, it's never going to happen again. So I got to ride the Coney Island Cyclone with Monica Lewinsky, a very surreal and very pleasant, wonderful experience. Obviously something I'll just, again, never replicate. Real quick. So again, when Thrill Ride was becoming fairly well-recognized or whatever, this is late 90s. No, no, I'm saying yeah, it was 99 because Millennium Force was open. So I got a random phone call one day at home in Brooklyn, pick up my phone. And it's clearly a long distance call. You can hear that international hiss. And a very nice woman who uh, was with British Channel 4 TV introduces herself and said, yeah, we, you know, we're producing this little mini series called Postcards from America. These kind of little short eight minute segments that are going to run in between other programs. You know, we've done all kinds of things on like, you know, interesting food and fashion and whatever. But one of the things we'd like to do is talk about roller coasters because that's very much a part of American cultural history. I'm like, oh my gosh, great. I love it. Wow. And I'm like, how can I help? Like, why are you calling me this? This sounds really neat. She said, well, we're having a little issue finding parks that we can visit. And I'm thinking there's not a park in the world that I know of that turns down publicity. Like if you want to come in with a camera, then please, by all means. She said, well, it's, it's, it's something to do with our host. It's, it's Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> <laughs> of course, back in the late 90s, you know, that was still kind of a, a sensitive topic, I think, more so right. today. I said, well, you know what? I, I think I know two people to talk to, and we can try to work something out. So let me let me make some calls, and I'll get back to you. So I thought what would be kind of neat is, you know, we've got this new world record-breaking 300-foot-tall roller coaster, first giga coaster, brand new. And then right here in Brooklyn, we've got one of the greatest, oldest roller coasters ever. You know, right. We can arrange to get them on both. That might be a nice bookend. At the time, real nice fellow who was running PR for Astroland, where the cyclone was. Oh, and I can't remember his name now. He wrote a book, The Roller Coaster Lover's Companion. It's going to drive me nuts. And the poor fellow dropped dead oh my gosh. 20 years ago. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Is it Stephen Stephen Urbanowitz. Stephen Urbanowitz. Yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. All right. Anyway, really great guy. But anyway, so he was running PR. And he, he, you know, he's, he was just like a very like, hey, whatever, man. So I told him like, would you guys have a problem with Monica Lewinsky coming out? And they're like, heck no, bring her. Well, definitely. Let's do it. <laughs> So then I called Janice Witherow, who was then running PR at Cedar Point, and I said, "Look, here's my here's my here's the situation." She said, "Well, if it were up to me, I would say absolute. Let me run it by the park president, and I'll get back to you." So she called me the next day. She said, "Not only would we be happy to have her, but the park president said he'll be he'll walk her around the park." Right? I'm like, "All right, done." So I called back the producers. I said, "We're good to go. You can get into Coney, and you can get into Cedar Point. Work out all the details." And she's like, "That's great. Would you like to join us at Cedar or at um, Coney Island? Since you're in Brooklyn and you're right there." I'm like, like, uh, okay. Anyway, long story short, I take the subway out, big black limousine pulls up and a couple of news vans were already there. Somehow we got leaked that she was going to be coming out to, to, you know, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, we worked it out that we do the interview inside the turnaround of the cyclone. So that way the news crews couldn't get in and film. And then we'll just get on board and shoot some, you know, POVs on the ride. And she was incredibly smart and nice and a great host. And we had a blast. I mean, we had a lot of fun. And awesome. the coded to the story is after we got through it, because, you know, I told both the people at Cedar Point and Coney Island, like, we need to keep this under wraps. No other press can be there. It's got to be totally on the DL until after it's done. You can publicize it after, but while we're there live, no press. Right. I talked to Steve and I'm like, dude, Dude, what's up with this news van? Said, I don't know, man. They're, they're, news got out. They just showed up. <laughs> so anyway, we get through the day. Everything's great. The thing and the thing only aired in the UK. So I never saw a copy. of Okay. It. Years later, Steve and I were just bullshitting over something. I said something like, "Yeah, that whole thing with the uh, you know the media showing up for money." He said, "Oh, oh, I of course I called. That was me. Absolutely. I mean, I'm like I called the Daily News. I called CBS. Like I couldn't tell you then, but yeah, heck, we were gonna get some more press. Like, bravo, well played. Anyway, there you go. That was probably the craziest. Thing. Oh, and then so." 
a friend of mine calls me a few weeks later. She's like, did I just see you on Entertainment Tonight riding the cyclone with Monica Lewinsky? And I'm like, what? So apparently E.T. did a very quick segment about this Postcards from America show. And I guess they used a two-second clip of the two of us sitting in oh. front and wearing my Thrill Ride shirt. It was the only reason anybody wrecked it. But they're like, what was, what? wait, is that Robert? What? <laughs> anyway, it was great. <laughs> Sorry, long story. Sorry. No, I, I no, that's great. I mean, we I, mean, I love it because we've never had a story like that. We've had, you know, <laughs> stories about evax or crazy people on a coaster. We we yeah, we've had some crazy stories like those. And my personal one is an evac off of a boomerang. Yeah, anyway, but that that's my craziest story. But yours is very unique and, and we love getting unique stories. So thank you for sharing that. So okay, so so what would you say of all the coasters you've been on, a lot of them, is your favorite? Yeah, that's also very hard to say because I think a lot of people would say it's oh my favorite coaster is the one I'm Riding. You know, there's so many good ones out there. My sentimental favorite is Disneyland Space Mountain. It's such a great ride. You know, when they added, I mean, it was a fun ride originally. The Dick Dale Surf Rock soundtrack is phenomenal. I love it. Yes. But the, but the Michael Giacchino or Giacchino or however his name is pronounced, that score, it's just magnificent. It's so great. As you know, on a, one of our recent Tony Baxter interviews with Season Pass, when Tom Morris was a guest or he was with us there, and we were just having this like casual conversation. He just brings up a Oh yeah. So when, you know, when I figured out how to get put music on Space Mountain, I was like, whoa, 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 slow down back. Yes. Up. You did that. You came up. I was like, yeah, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for music on rides in general, but music on yes. roller coasters, especially when it can be done, it just like adding that emotional context to all the movement in the ride and, you know, being indoors with the stars going by. And when he explained too, how they had to build in these moments in the musical score where they could shorten or lengthen it. Yes. Because the weight of the train is going to have some variability and a ride can be 20 seconds shorter or longer, depending. And I, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, some of those like breaks where there's a long drum riff or something like that can be compressed or expanded. They're geniuses. Anyway, right. so Space Mountain, I mean, every time when we come over that lift hill, that third one and the music kicks in, I'm like, oh, it just, I, I get tears in my eyes sometimes. It's just like so great. The first time I rode Rock and Roller Coaster, when the sound was just like, I mean, my body was inside the sound. Oh, so great. So great. I mean, uh, X2 is, you know, the 4D coasters. When you get that perfect ride, when it's just right and there's no head banging and everything, one of my favorite rides in the world. But you never know. Sometimes, I mean, right. unless you ride in yeah. just Seed and Magic Mountain. Like when we went to Japan, I rode Ekajaneka at Fuji. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody was like, oh, it's worse than X2. You're going to hate uh -uh. perfect ride. Absolutely. Yep. And I rode in the inside row and the outside row. It was perfect. What would you say is your least favorite coaster? Like one that like you just, oh my God, you don't like. It seems so unfair because everybody dumps on it. But the first ride that always comes to mind is Grizzly. <laughs> Great America up in Northern California. Yeah. It's yeah. just so, I mean, I rode... So I rode Son of Beast when it had the loop and I didn't hate it. The first time I rode Son of Beast, I thought it was pretty awesome. Same. I gotta be honest. Same. I, I liked it. I hope you wrote opening year. Yeah. It was yeah. intense, but it was yeah. super cool. Those big spirals and the loop was so smooth. I'm like, this is great. Yep. And one of our later season pass trips, we went back and we were at Kings Island and it was after they'd taken out the loop and we we're like, it's right here. Let's ride it. That was the most painful, unpleasant ride. Yeah. It was 
car. I guess in terms of a, a ride, I mean, Son of Beast is probably the one I'd say, well, that was the one that most deserved to be burned to the ground, but it's not operating anymore. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really do honestly like, as long as they don't hurt me, I love all rides. Right. I mean, really, it's just don't hurt me. That's all I ask. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, that's a good, anyway, long story short, good answer on, you know, on Grizzly and, and Son of Beast, especially later Son of Beast. So thank you. You know, bad wooden coasters, those can be really bad. So, <laughs> yeah. so so just a couple very last questions, things we always ask. So uh, kind of a general kind of opportunity for you to, you know, given the scope, you understand we're about fighting fear and fighting anxiety and really about theme park therapy. That's what our podcast is about. <laughs> sure. So that's our mission. Given that mission and things, you know, that you know, you've said maybe things you, you've thought of that you wanted to say you haven't shared yet. Is there any last advice you'd like to share with our listeners, with our audience? I mean, it's certainly the last year and a half has been super challenging for everybody. And we are all going through a lot of fear and anxiety and uh, it's, it's, it's tough. I think we, for those of us who are sort of getting through it on a day-to-day -day basis, we're not recognizing that this is constant undercurrent of anxiety and like, it's just always there. We're not even aware yeah. of it anymore. Being able to recognize that and say, it's okay that I'm not feeling okay. And I need to address that is a perfectly healthy healthy and good thing to do. Theme parks and friends, man, that's a great way to like get beyond some of those feelings of anxiety. And I know theme parks are kind of a rough thing in a pandemic, right? They're outdoors, they're with other people. There's, a, there's some challenges to that sort of thing. And we do have to continue to enjoy our hobby as safely as we can. You know, I've been back to some parks in the last few months and boy, it feels good. I got to tell you, it really, and we need that escapism. We need that getaway, that kind of release valve on the pressure cooker of life. It's like I always say in the in the forward to the roller coaster book. I mean, screaming helps. <laughs> screaming is purging. <laughs> you know, you're able to like, Wah! you know, you. It's a relief. That's there's. I think there are probably measurable health benefits to going to theme parks if you enjoy them. You know what I mean? Like between the yes. physical, just that you're walking around, you're burning off calories, and the energy you're expending, just having fun. Like that's all good, man. It's all good. It's an expensive hobby, but when you can afford it and you can find the way to do it, do it. <laughs> oh, good advice there yeah it can be an expensive hobby especially the travel aspect of it but yeah like you said there's the physical exercise talked about the endorphins the adrenaline of course the being able to get away from and we need this more now than ever to your point you know the immersion in parks and just not thinking about our problems getting away from stress and fighting fear and, and and fighting anxiety and training our our minds to be able to deal with that and all this stuff it's it's great it's really good stuff and i'm glad that you know you've been able to get back to the parks i took a break from the parks last year finally started going back to them late last year into early this year when the vaccines and all that were coming out and whatnot it's been it's been great being back absolutely thank you that's that's good advice there uh, you know certainly so thank you and so the last thing i'd like to ask you to do because again we like to help help people promote and i've already kind of helped you know, certainly you've been talking about i have talked about season past but but certainly it, you know beyond just talking about what they are and, and how great they are if you could just kind of summarize and share with our listeners for all the things you're involved with you know the websites and how people can find the social media and how people can get access to these things Sure, sure. So, of course, um, Season Pass, if you go to the website, it's seasonpasspodcast.com. We have the entire archive library of all the prior episodes there. So it's a great place to start digging deep. Personally, I'm the only social media I'm really active on right now is Twitter. I, I deactivated my Facebook account because I think they're evil and I'm done with Facebook. Yeah, so, I get it. <laughs> so, but if it's my, my handle on, thrill, or on Twitter is thrillride.com without the dot. 
because somebody else already got the real right, I think. Uh, and of course, Super 78, if you want to find out more about what's going on there, it's just super78.com. Uh, you can check out the website there. If you go to YouTube and search for either my name, Robert Coker, or going places, doing things. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of parky things, but you know, museums and hikes and whatever. Anyway, if you're interested, you can check that out on YouTube. But yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. That's all the stuff. Okay. Doing. Oh, and then of course, if you go to robertcoker.com, there is, it's just kind of a series of links to, you can get to the season pass there, you can get to my Twitter feed, you can get to the YouTube videos. This music thing that I did, this audio animatron X, it's, it's a weird little side project I had for a while. Anyway, all the links are there if you go to robertcoker.com. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Robert. Appreciate you sharing all that and appreciate your time today. And it's great talking to you and just hearing your stories and kind of sharing with each other. You know, it's great talking to a fellow coaster enthusiast that's also loves theme parks and just has all the experience and all, you know, I love some of the stories you told that Monica Lewinsky, I won't forget that one. That's, that's <laughs> fantastic. So well, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Oh, of much. course. It was my great pleasure. No, I, again, I can nerd out and talk about this stuff for hours on it. So this was a real, real fun for me. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Robert, that was an incredible interview, Jen. Yeah, it was. I love how he was. He started off as a designer. Yeah, and it's funny because he was one of the original people when the when the internet first came out that he actually helped design a, a page called Roller Coaster, and I think that was really cool. I mean, he's obviously he's got artistic abilities in order to become a designer. I would love to have that kind of ability. It's I honestly believe everybody has a creative mind. You just got to unlock it, and you just got to trust your instincts and just go with it and you'll be amazed what you can create oh yeah but that was a really fun fun interview great episode today we've got we're going to be closing out our one closing out our mice chat month here with the founder of mice chat we got the one and only dusty sage going to be on the podcast next week with andrew so you guys don't want to miss that but in the meantime justin how can they find us on social media if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and if you want to see more from us we upload every friday and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links in the description. Thank you, Justin. Yes, guys, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to give us a thumbs up. Make sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast network. And please give us a review. We really work very hard, guys. And we really love for you guys to give us a positive review on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, whatever. If it allows you to do a review, please do so. I we would really appreciate it. And don't forget to visit our website at CoasterChallengeUSA.com and click on our store. We got brand new merch in the store this year. New designs, new colors, and the proceeds that we get are donated at the end of the year to a local charity of our choice. So we hope you guys will buy a shirt for this coaster season or a hat or, or a sweater for, for this winter, upcoming winter and represent our podcast and wear it with pride. But anyway, guys, it was a really fun episode and I look forward to seeing you guys next week but until then this is david cantu this is jenna gazelle we'll see you next week right here on the coaster challenge podcast